I have to tell you, I have enjoyed our series, uh, Lego Life, to this point. Two weeks ago, we talked about love. Love being that first building block that God uses to build in us the life that He has for us. Last Sunday morning, we talked about the disposition of joy that we have the opportunity to walk with, to, to, to live in. And, and this morning, I, I want to talk to you on the subject that I believe is, is significantly, it's profoundly misunderstood. And yet, when we really come to grips with this idea of peace, it's absolutely revolutionary. Here's what, here's what we know from God's Word. It tells us this in Colossians 3, in the 15th verse. It says that we are supposed to let the peace of God rule our hearts. Since as, as members of one body, we're called to peace. And, and in that, and in that disposition of peace, we are to be thankful. Peace. Peace. That's where God wants us to live. It's what God wants us to embrace. I want to I give you a, a thought this morning as we begin. When you, when you hear the, 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 the name Nobel, what do you think about what comes to your mind? The Peace Prize, right? It's a fascinating thing because Alfred Nobel, the gentleman for whom the Nobel Peace Prize is named, he actually was a brilliant inventor, 355 different patents. In 1888, Alfred's brother Ludwig died and, and a, a French newspaper mistakenly reported that Alfred had died. And their headline was this, the merchant of death is dead. Because up to that point, Alfred Nobel was known by the company that his family owned, Bullfires, which produced most of the cannons and much of the armament for the Crimean War. Among the 355 patents that, that Nobel it, it had to his credit, uh, the, the most significant was that for dynamite. He was the creator of dynamite. And, and it could be said that it was at the hands of Alfred Nobel that modern warfare really came into being. And so, all of these deaths that were attributed to all these different wars, a lot of those people would say that Alfred Nobel was, a, was directly responsible for that. And so, when he, read, when he read his obituary and it said the merchant of death is dead, it shocked him that that's how he would be remembered. And, and in that moment, he said, that is the last that's the last thing in the world I would want people to say about me. It's not how I want to be remembered. And he had this defining moment, this wake-up call. And he said, I'm convinced of this. I can do something about it. And, and this is what he did. He took the enormity of his wealth. In that day, uh, a little over $9 million. In today's dollars, a half a billion dollars. And he invested that money in creating five different prizes. Now, four of those prizes we don't talk very much about, but the fifth and the most famous is the, the Nobel Peace Prize. And Alfred Nobel had the opportunity to change the trajectory of his life and to change his legacy. 
I'm convinced that much like that wake-up call that Alfred Nobel had in 1888, God has brought us here this morning. He has this message for everyone listening today to serve as a wake-up call. That your life can be different. That your journey can have a whole new expression to it. And that your legacy can be one that is affirming rather than one that's discouraging. Because God has called you to peace. Peace. That's what he's called us to. He's called us to peace. He's he's called us more to to more than peace. The the, the word that we find throughout Scripture for peace, that that, that Hebrew word that, that, that Jesus would refer to in his teaching that the Apostle Paul would give us the Greek equivalent to in his writing is the word shalom, right? When you hear the word shalom, that's what you think. You think peace, right? And we're often told that the word shalom, that translated, it means peace. And yet, that is a wholly inaccurate and incomplete translation of the word shalom. If if, if you study the, the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language is fascinating. And, 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 and the Hebrew language, most of their words come from these root expressions and tied together, tied together, they give us full meaning. And so, we can, we don't have to guess what shalom means. We can know what shalom means because of the root parts of the word. And here's what shalom means. It means to be in complete order with a state of well-being. To have everything be complete and orderly and be well. So, in the Hebrew expression, when an individual would say to someone, shalom, here's what they're saying. I want your life to be complete and in order and with well-being. Isn't that much better than just peace? That, that everything is together and everything is in order and there's a sense of well-being. It, it's not just an expression of calm, it's also a statement of blessing. I, I want your life to be such that you're in a state of well-being. I want all of the challenges and all of the issues in your life to be settled. See, shalom is absolute. Peace is conditional. That's the reason why in John chapter 14, when Jesus is having his final conversation with his disciples before he goes to the cross, he says this. He says, peace I give you, not peace like the world gives, but I give you my peace. Therefore, don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. Now, that same thing that Jesus said to his his followers in the upper room, he would echo that same thing to Calvary this morning. Peace I offer to you, peace I give you, not peace like the world gives. Not simply the absence of conflict, but my peace or shalom I give you. That That the aspects of your life would all be orderly. That the clutter and confusion would be settled and that you would have a sense of well-being. So, your heart doesn't have to be troubled and you don't have to live with anxiety. That's that's the peace that Paul's talking about in Colossians chapter 3 when he says, let the peace of God, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. 
And, and in that, we can be thankful, right? Th- that's, that's, the, that's the disposition that God wants us to have. It's the life that he wants us to live. And yet, we live in a time, we live in a, an epoch of history where, where peace seems to be profoundly elusive. And in fact, I found this fascinating. And uh, I, I don't know what the numbers would be if you go back further. I went back as far as the beginning of World War II. And since the beginning of World War II, the world has known 23 days of peace. Since, since 1939, we have known 23 days of peace. We live in a time of confusion. We live in a period of conflict. We live in an era of chaos. And it's, it's in the midst of that that here's what God's word says. He says, I, I encourage you to live by the Spirit. And if you live by the Spirit, you, you will see that these qualities of a Spirit-filled life permeate all that you are. And those qualities include love, which, which will allow you to live with a disposition of joy, which positions you well for peace, that, that, that understanding that everything is in order and, and you, you're in a state of, of well-being. That's the, friends, that's the plan that, that God has for us. So, so all this turmoil in your day, all this challenge in your, in your schedule, that's not God's heart for you. It's not God's plan for you. And he's brought us here this morning to say, there's a better way. There's a better way. Let the, let the peace that comes from living life in the Spirit, let, let that be what champions our day. Let that be what characterizes our identity. Well, how do we get there? I, I'm convinced that in Colossians 3.15, this challenge that we're given to let the peace of Christ rule our heart, that, that the, the path to get there is actually found right in the context of that portion of Scripture. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. And you'll see it right there, starting in verse number 12. This, this understanding that we're, that we're God's children, that we're holy, Right? And holy doesn't mean perfect. Holy doesn't mean pious. And holy means to be set apart for a special use. Consecrated. Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as God has forgiven you. And over all of this, over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of God rule your heart. Let the peace of God rule your heart. Let the peace of God rule your heart. So where does it start? It starts by coming to grips with our true identity. Now, in, in, in the room today, there are hundreds of labels. There are ethnic labels, right? There are occupational labels. There are a variety of doctor's diagnoses, 
And, and if you watch the commercials for, for prescription medications, it seems like there are, are new doctor's diagnoses coming up on every day, right? Um, trust me, um, the annoying habits you, that you have, if they haven't already declared it as a syndrome, give them a little bit of time, somebody's gonna come up with a medication to treat it, and, uh, and they're gonna give you a doctor's diagnosis. Right? And we'll, we'll live with that label. And so we have all these different labels that, that are, are used by others to identify us or, or sometimes used by us to self-identify. The most important label that we can embrace and the label that really triumphs over every other label is that, that label, child of God. Understanding everything that comes with that is, is key. And, and it, it, it's vital, listen, it is vital for you, for, for the desire that God has for you, the life that he wants you to live, the, the joy that he wants you to embrace. It's very important that you understand your true identity. It's also, it's critical in this crazy world that we live in that the body of Christ come to have a healthy understanding of really who we are. And here's, here's what we're not. We're not a voting block. We're not a political party. What we are is this, is we are a spiritual movement. God's Word says that we are to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Well, how does that happen? It happens when we, when we embrace our true identity. And when we embrace our true identity, what happens is this, is it becomes something that is desired by those around us. And when they come to the understanding that it is an identity that they can share, they will quickly embrace it as well. But we have to embrace our true identity. See, much of the pain that we experience in life, much of the pressure that we have to deal with, much of the conflict that comes our way, much of the confusion that, that tends to wreak havoc on our day is a result of us buying in to false narratives about who we are. Some of us, those false narratives are the result of words that have been spoken over us or deeds that have been done to us in the past. Well, for those of you that that statement resonates this morning, know this, that if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And the old isn't just my faults, my, 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 my past faults and failures, it's also my past pain. Because we're told that we're supposed to do this, that we're supposed to cast all of our cares, cast all of our anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for us, right? We're supposed to we're actually supposed to present them to God. Jesus made this declaration. He said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest. Place those burdens upon me. I'll make this confession to you. I carry way too many burdens. I carry way too many issues. And, and as a result, what they do is they create frustration and stress in my life. I, I, I worry about a lot of stuff. I, I will tell you this, I worry about the church, which is crazy. It's crazy even as a pastor to worry about the church because here's what the Word of God says. Jesus said this, He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
Scripture declares that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that try to build it. And I understand this. I understand that, that biblically it's not my responsibility to build the church. And yet, as the pastor, I carry this, this weight of responsibility, right? And I get, I get anxious. I get nervous about things. And I, and I wonder. I, I will look out at about 9.15, I will look out into the parking lot and I'll go, oh, God, please let them come. Because y'all don't show up early. <laughs> it would help me out if you just got here at 9.22 instead of 9.32. It would just, it, 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 and, and can I tell you, you're missing out on some good stuff anyway. But it, it puts me into panic just about every Sunday. I'm like, nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. It is, it is a relief when I walk through that door and I see that y'all are here. So thank you so much for being here today. Okay? You helped relieve some of my anxiety. It was very cathartic to see you. I, I'm very, very appreciative of that. And for those of you that stayed home and you're watching via live stream, understand what you've done to me emotionally because I can't see you. <laughs> Don't you care about this old pastor? Come on, help me out just a little bit. That's all I'm asking. There's something incredibly freeing in knowing the identity that God declares over us. And embracing the truth that it's God's prerogative to speak that identity, which means that there's nothing that you can do that disqualifies that. See, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And so, when I, when I, when I embrace my, my true identity, what it, what it does is it allows me then to empathize with those around me. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, right? That's what it says in Colossians 3.12. Colossians 3.15 tells us that we are called, that we're called, that we're called to this disposition of, of everything being in order and a, and a state of well-being. We're called to peace. So because of that, when I, when, I, when, I, when I truly come to understand that and appreciate that, it allows me to do this. That's why I, I love the song that we started with this morning. It's a, it's a song that's been around for, for a few years. I think that song's been in the church for about eight years now. But, but that, that realization uh, that I am a friend of God, and, and I'm more than a friend of God. I'm a child of God. So, God, your word of provision applies to me. Your word of protection applies to me. Your word of identity applies to me. Your word of strength applies to me. Your word of deliverance applies to me. Because I'm your, I'm your friend, I'm your, I'm your son, I'm your child. And, and when, I, when I come to that understanding, oh, it, it's incredibly freeing. A couple of years ago, I went to a, a major sporting event and uh, because, of a, because of the connection of a friend, I had this, this all-access pass. And so, it allowed me to go to places where the general spectators could not go. 
It was, a, 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 it was the, the Ryder Cup, uh, when the, uh, a major golf event when it was played in the U.S. a few years ago. And so they, they had these ropes all over the place, right, that would, that would keep the commoners out. Yeah. And, uh, and I had the ability to, 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 to be inside the ropes because I had this all-access all access pass. I actually got to stand next to Michael Jordan, which was a, kind of a big deal for me. And, uh, and so uh, I, 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 just, I thought, this is great. Now, what it did is it spoiled me for ever going to another sports event because when I go and I just have a general pass and I'm like, these ropes are just so restrictive. Your identity in Christ is it's the equivalent of an all-access all pass. It, it gives you the, not just the opportunity, but the authority to step in to life's greatest moments and to speak into some of the most significant situations. And, and understanding that, and understanding that we're able to be there because of what God has done for us and because of the identity that he's, that he's given to us, it allows us to see those around us differently. Because we're God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, it just makes sense then to clothe ourselves with compassion, Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Much of the frustration in our day, much of the frustration in your life, much of the anxiety that can fill your moments is because of a lack of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Would they just hurry up? Would they just slow down? Would they just come on? Would they, right? Maybe I'm the only one. But when we, when we don't simply be hearers of the word, but, but we allow ourselves to become doers of the word, and we, we clothe ourselves or we become identified by Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here's what happens. We eliminate all those petty grievances that tend to eat at us, right? That's what it tells us there in, in Colossians uh, 3, 13. It, it tells us, uh, and going into the verse 14, it tells us that we are to bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances we have against one another. I want, you to, I want you to pause for a moment and I want you to ask yourself this question. How much of the tension in my life, how much of the frustration that fills my day, how much of the anxiety that grips me is because I have not operated in compassion towards those around me and I have not forgiven the grievances that have happened to me? Right? Bear with one another. In other words, accept one another. And, and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. I, I'm grateful for the friendships in my life. And, and can I offer this to you? I have some tremendous friends that are in the room today. 
And I want you to know that those of you that are in the room today that I've got a, a connect beyond a casual that I have a close relationship with, there are things that you do that absolutely annoy me. Like you're annoying people, okay? Your habits are, they're, they're irritating. And, and some of you, your habits are disgusting. And I'm not going to give you the opportunity to rebut because I would be concerned about the things that you would, that you express about me. And so here's my challenge. When you look at me, I want you to do this. I, I want you to look at me with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I want you to bear with me and, and forgive whatever grievances you have against me. And obviously that needs to be my expression towards you as well, right? Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And, and how has God forgiven me? Here's, here's how God has forgiven me. Number one, he's forgiven me completely. Number two, he initiates forgiveness, right? Hey, I'll forgive them if they forgive me, right? If they say they're sorry, well, that's not the way that, that's not the way that God works. God demonstrated his love for you and that while you were yet, yet a sinner, he went to the cross for you, right? The gift is already presented. We just need to, we just need to receive it. Think about that. So much of the frustration in our life and the peace in our life would be, would be relieved if we were to say, you know what? I forever give up the right to hold uh, uh, Rob uh, accountable for his actions or his attitudes. I do. I, 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 I release that. And, and when, we, when we eliminate those petty grievances… Oh, we're in a great place to encircle everything with love. And over all these, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. See, God's given you a great peace plan. Embrace who you are in Him. <laughs> You're chosen. You're dearly loved. You're called to peace. To recognize the imperfections of who you are, they're not held against you. And it would do us well then to have that same posture towards the people around us. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I, I'm not going to get caught up in bitterness and unforgiveness. I'm going to eliminate those petty grievances. And you know one of the big reasons we should do that? Here's a profound, an axiomatic biblical principle that most of us know Many of us fail to embrace because we minimize the consequences of operating in denial as it relates to this biblical truth. And here's what the Word of God says. It says that God forgives us to the same degree that we forgive others. See, the Bible declares this. It says where there is bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, you will not see God. Oftentimes, what we want is we want retribution. We want a, a price to be paid. And God says this, He says, forgive as the Lord Himself has forgiven you. Why? Because it is the heart of God, it's the plan of God that you live with shalom. Peace, oh, but much more than peace. 
This, this understanding that reaches to the core of our being, that everything is right, everything is orderly, and there's a, a sense of well-being. And I, I, can, I can do that just living this life of love that he's called me to. Peace is not dependent upon what's happening around you. Peace is not determined by the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Peace is not environmental. Peace fundamentally is spiritual. It is shalom. And God wants you to live and to breathe and to move in shalom. So, as we bring our time to a close this morning, I would ask you a couple of questions. What false narratives have you embraced that are keeping you from living in shalom? Today is the day. This now is the time. This is the moment for you to say, God, I accept the identity that you speak over me. And I'm going to walk in right and active relationship with you. What are, the, what are the circumstances in your day that are keeping you in a, in a self-focused mode? And operating as a protectionist rather than living your life with com kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, patience. Because God wants you in true identity to walk in grace and love. What are those deep wounds that you've not yet let go of? Those, those experiences where you say, I I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. By the way, forgiving isn't forgetting. Many of you in this room, you, you, your, your story, there are some similarities between your story and my story. And there are wrongs that were done to me in my childhood that I still have dreams about today. And forgiving isn't forgetting that's, forget, for, forgetting is just old age. Forgiveness is forever giving up the right to hold someone accountable. Releasing that, releasing that hurt to God and in that releasing them. Recognize how God wants to bring a, a flood of love into your, your place, into your posture, into your path. That's why he's brought you here today. So, won't you, won't you be open 
to this work of peace, this work of shalom that God wants to bring over you. Sir, you've been angry too long. Ma'am, you, you've, been, you've been bitter for too long. Friend, you've been, you've been anxious for too long. You've been, you've been frustrated for too long. You've been depressed for too long. And God says, that is not the plan that I have for you. Oh, pastor, it's easy for you to say that because you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's been. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.